Welcome to America the Bazaar. I'm Jordan Rausch. And I'm Jeremy. And we are currently still on break, enjoying our holidays. Jeremy's actually taking this time to finish up his finals, so he's not really relaxing, but I'm spending a lot of time reading and researching and getting ready to start 2021 with all kinds of crazy stories for you guys. But this week, Jeremy decided to go into the America the Bazaar files and reach out and get one of our old episodes for you guys this week. Yeah, so I threw it way back. I picked episode five, Moon Nukes, which actually you and Allie recorded. I wasn't even a a co-host at that time. But uh, just wanted to start off with some updates since we've recorded that episode back in November of 2019. Uh, The Space Force has actually been formed and funded. Uh, You guys were kind of joking, as you'll soon hear. And uh, it's crazy. So since that time, uh, the key takeaways from Space Force's formation is in May 29th, 2020, Netflix created a satirical comedy starring Steve Carell called Space Force. <laughs> you can watch all 10 episodes on Netflix. And I, I enjoyed it. It got some bad reviews online. but We binged it. It's kind yeah. of, it's very cheesy. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, production for the second season is season is expected to begin in 2021. The United States Space Force is a military service that was established on December 20th, 2019 with the enactment of the FY 2020 National Defense Authorization Act, which served to fund President Donald J. Trump's executive order of establishment that had occurred earlier that year in February. It is a branch of service that falls under the Secretary of the Air Force. Its senior military member is a four-star general known as the Chief of Space Operations. The first CSO is General John J. Raymond, who was a Clemson ROTC grad from 1984, and previously held such positions as the Director of Plans, Programs, and Analyses at Air Force Space Command, 2009-2010, and then immediately preceding his assignment to CSO when he served as Commander of U.S. Space Command in Colorado. Peterson Air Force Base is where all things space and military happen. The uh, U.S. Space Force is the former Air Force Space Command. There's a lot of space in there. (laughs) Anyways, it's fascinating to be following along with the modern space race. As we talked in one of our earlier episodes, uh, SpaceX had its first successful manned launch to the International Space Station. And China actually landed a lunar rover on the moon called, and I researched how to announce this because it's, it's doesn't spell, it's not spelled how it's sounds. Oh, so it's your turn to <laughs> pronounce something. Yeah. Uh, Chang, Chang, uh. Gosh, I hope I got that. I listened to the. Chang-a? No, Chang, uh. Chang, uh. Yeah. Chang, uh. Spelled C-A-N-G apostrophe E. So, I hope you all enjoy this throwback to 2019 and our coverage of that time during the World Cold War when the U.S. put in motion a plan to nuke the moon. And because this was an early episode, and without Jeremy, we didn't have a presidential trivia in that one. So, as a special treat, I came up with another presidential trivia Nice for this one. The question is, which president was the first to use a telephone? President John Tyler. No. Oh, man. Okay. Well, stick around and find out the answer at the end of the episode.
Welcome to America the Bazaar. I'm Jordan Roush. I'm Allie Hittner. Do you remember when Trump announced Space Force? Absolutely, I remember. Okay, because I'm kind of really excited about Space Force. <laughs> Have you seen the logo for it? No. It's like kind of sweet 80s. Oh, so exactly what it should be. No, exactly. Yeah, it's... it's, I should get it on a helmet, is what you're telling me. Yeah, I kind of... I definitely want some Space Force apparel. I really hope it looks like Spaceballs. No, so, I mean, I don't know. I feel like that's 80s. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. It looks like the hoodie that's currently at Target that says NASA. Yeah. And I'm just hoping that's the Like the retro one. one. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of cool and retro, and I need some Space Force gear. I think so. On June 18th, 2018, President Donald Trump directed the Pentagon to begin planning for a Space Force, a sixth independent military service branch to undertake missions and operations in their rapidly evolving space domain. The U.S. Space Force would be the first new military service in more than 70 years, following the establishment of the U.S. Air Force in 1947. Officials estimated that the creation of a new service would cost $2 billion over five years and require 15,000 personnel. Mike Pence, the subject of last week's episode, Trump put him in charge of creating (laughs) Space Force. Wait, does he have a Space Force jacket that says the Mikeness? Oh, we can only hope. I mean, I, I, and if he doesn't, he needs one. We'll send it to him. Yeah. I'm sure. We get embroidered. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sure he, after <laughs> listening to our last podcast. Leather jacket. Yes. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> the, like the fur collar. Yeah. Some real he cheap aviators. So cool. So even though he announced it over a year and a half ago, Congress still has not voted to authorize the establishment of it. Also, how was so that? So it's a still year kind of in ago? limbo, right? It just it doesn't feel that no. long ago. It's all the craziness that has happened that just it makes Propulsive. time go by so fast, <laughs> so fast and so slow. So that's what's happening now. Now we're going to take it way back. Yes, to World War Two. So during World War Two. Germany was the world leader in rocket technology. German engineers and scientists developed the V-2 rocket near the end of the war that would devastate whole city blocks, and Nazi Germany used them to bombard London until the Allied forces captured the the launch sites in northern France. After the end of World War II, German rocket scientists were recruited by both the United States and the Soviet Union to work on their own respective long-range intercontinental missiles. So once the war was ev- over, both Russia or the Soviet Union mm-hmm. and America were like, hey, we need rockets. And they just went, basically, it was like, whoever gets it first. I feel like that- they got them. They right. took them back to their own country. They're like, hey, you're going to make rockets for us. Exactly. Bye. America recruited Werner von Braun. And I really hope I'm saying that right. Werner. Yeah. You, you lived in Germany, right? Uh, I lived in Switzerland. Okay. <laughs> Close. It's going to be something like that. It's going to be Werner. Ver- oh, Werner. That's right. Werner von Braun. We'll just call him von Braun. For von Braun. <laughs> the rest of it. But he's at, he was actually the creator of the V-2 missile. Um, so America got him and they brought him and his team back to the United States. It's just so much. America got him. Well, it's kind of like finders keepers. <laughs> you come in with us. So then in 1950, the Korean War began when the Soviet Union backed North Korea invaded the pro-Western South Korea. Mm-hmm. The outbreak of the war in Korea combined with the fact that the Soviet Union had just tested its own atomic weapon, 
remember we had used ours in yes. World War II. Um, they used they tested their own, and that caused tensions between the two countries, and that was the start of the Cold War. Mm-hmm. Both countries worked very hard so that they could pull ahead in the arms race to become the most powerful country in the world. Von Braun's team worked hard to produce missiles with gradually increasing range. First, they had the Redstone and then the Jupiter. Both the U.S. and the Soviet Union were neck and neck in creating missiles that could carry a nuclear weapon halfway around the world to strike their enemy. And this is why, like, back in the 50s and everything, people were doing, like, bomb raids and missile missile drills constantly. Hiding under desks, which obviously would do nothing, but it makes you feel better. (laughs) However... I don't know about you, but those really old desks, I mean, when you get stuck in one of those, you get stuck. And I don't feel like they break. They heavy. So. My feeling always, though, is because they had, like, the sirens that would go off and they were supposed to hide under your desk. My feeling is if a nuclear warhead is about to drop on me and a desk is not going to save me, nothing's going to save you. No. Just don't tell me. No, I don't I'll want just, the drill. Uh, yeah, just don't, not, I don't want the siren. I don't want the drill. Just let me get annihilated with because peace of mind. if the missile goes off, my anxiety probably would have already killed me. Yeah, yeah so, exactly. I mean, that's a valid don't, point. Yeah, let's just kill me without the added anxiety. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Also, I mean, growing up in the South, we would have tornado drills. Right. Very similar. We would hide under the desk or the advanced ones. We'd sit in the hallway. Yeah. Neither of those things were really going to protect us from... A tornado, yeah. let alone a terrifying missile. Though, so when I was doing, I had an internship in Alabama mm-hmm. over the summer, and I was staying in the dorms, and we would have hurricane drills. And though my dorm was made out of like just straight cinder blocks. Oh yeah, no, everything and I felt was cinder blocks. Very safe in that dorm. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I think our whole school was cinder blocks, yeah. just painted, <laughs> yeah, a glossy white, which was just nasty. That's exactly what my dorm was. It was lovely. In 1957, the UN announced a cooperative global effort to study the Earth's environment. Both the United States and the Soviet Union announced that they would use their rockets to launch satellites into the Earth's orbit as their contribution to the study. So they're like, "Oh, we've got these rockets." Oh. I guess we could use them oh, for yes. these. I guess we could use them for this for good stuff. That would be nice. We're just stockpiling them to kill each other, but I guess we could do this too. Oh, oh, these these these, these guys. Oh, oh and okay. I wonder. I I don't know who raised their hand first, <laughs> but I then I obviously the other person was like, oh yeah, we'll do that too. Oh yeah, no, uh, us we're too. using them. Us too. Us too. Yeah, that's that's exactly A what the, the whole Cold War rocket was. Pissing mash. Oh, it sounds. Like men? Yeah. <laughs> Sounds familiar. <laughs> On October 4th, 1957, a Soviet R-7 intercontinental ballistic missile launched the satellite Sputnik, which is Russian for traveler. Okay, so Sputnik was the world's first man-made object to be placed into the Earth's orbit. The launch of Sputnik was an unwelcome surprise to America. Americans had a hard time coping with the fact that somebody was better than them. <laughs> Because America's always been America, and we've always felt like we are better than everybody else. Mm -hmm. And the fact that Soviets, some commies, could put a satellite up before us was really hard to handle. Trump, is that you? Were you there? (laughs) 
So, yeah, so we had, yeah, we had a hard time coping with it. And then a month later, after Sputnik was released, the Pittsburgh Press reported that the latest rumor going the rounds is that the Russians plan to explode a rocket-borne H-bomb on the moon oh. on or about November 7th. If that's true, look out. I feel like this is really terrible journalism. But um, yeah. I think it's actually the plot of Despicable Me, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. it could be wrong. The rocket and its cargo of violence are more likely than not to boomerang. Cargo of violence? The car- I like that one. Cargo of violence. I mean, that that's yeah. some good journalism. That, that paints a picture. Journalism. It started to become more and more apparent that America's missile capabilities were falling behind the Soviets, and that made Americans obviously very nervous. They were like, hey, we're not doing well at this. Yeah. They beat us. Let's just scare the hell out of everyone. Exactly. In 1958, a few months after the launch of Sputnik, the United States launched its own satellite, Explorer 1. That same year, President Dwight Eisenhower signed a public order creating the National Aeronautics and Space Administration, or NASA, federal agency dedicated to space exploration. America and the USSR were officially in a space race with each other, competing to become the superior power not only on Earth, but in space as well. So, obviously, the Pittsburgh Press's article about Russia or Soviet Union. I'll I'll say Russia here and there because really same same. But shortly after the creation of NASA, people were like, "Hey, Soviets didn't bomb the moon. What if we bomb the moon?" Guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, or and I think it more was like, "Okay, Soviets haven't bombed the moon yet. yet. Let's beat them to bombing the moon." They got the first uh, satellite. Let's be the What f- if we bomb the moon first? Exactly. They can't land someone on it if we blow it up. Exactly. Ah, yes. Your Intelligence. Tank, yes. Shortly after the creation of NASA, officers from the Air Force approached one of NASA's senior physicists, Dr. Leonard Rifle, about what it would take to detonate a nuclear device on the moon. Rifle was very intrigued by the possibility and took the secret project on. He was like, hmm, I wonder what it would take to put a bomb on the moon. And you want to pay me to find out? I'm in. (laughs) Yeah. So in 1959, Rifle summarized his findings in his report titled, A Study of Lunar Research Flights. The report summarizes everything that scientists at the time knew about the moon, including its magnetic field and lack of atmosphere. So Rifle described the benefits of bombing the moon as not only important to the scientific community, where if they bombed it, they could see all the layers of the moon and figure out what the moon was made up of, but it'd be very important politically as well. A mushroom cloud on the moon that was big enough to be seen from Earth would send a very powerful message to the Soviets, and it would restore Americans' trust in their government's abilities. Ah, yes. (laughs) So Absolutely. it's not just about bombing the moon. It's about creating such a big explosion on the moon that people from Earth can see it with their naked eye. And then shortly thereafter, probably die. Well, maybe. So Rifle came up with several ideas on how to deliver the bomb. And so this, all this information about this project that he was working on, it only came out in 2000 when they, when they declassified all of that stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so it's really recently that we found out about this. And they're, like, burying it, hoping that people... Yeah, because it's embarrassing, because we were talking incredible. about bombing the moon. But, but then the writers of Despicable Me got it, and they're like, <laughs> yeah. this is the best children's movie. I mean, I love it. Yeah. So this is the best children's movie. 
let's yes, take it from thank there. Thank you for the idea. So one of his ideas, because if they're going to bomb the moon, they want to make it worth it. And they want people <laughs> they gotta to do it. Right. They want to make it so people can watch the moon being bombed. The one idea was to attach flares to the rocket so you could literally watch it all the way from the launch on its way to the moon. <laughs> and then it would, the rocket would explode, it would explode on the edge of the dark side and the light side of the moon so that the mushroom cloud would have, uh, from the one, the mushroom cloud from the one megaton bomb would have a dark backdrop. And so it could be easily, more easier spe- seen from space with the naked eye. Oh. It would just be a gigantic mushroom cloud on the moon that oh you would gosh. see from Earth. But I just we would have the flares first so we could watch yes, it. Yes, flares, flares, lights, lights, mushroom cloud. I mean, but think about how sad it was, how sad it would be because so many years later, people probably made a lot of money off people buying plots of land on the moon. Absolutely. Especially on the dark side. That was like prime real estate. And it was about to be blown up. And it was about to be blown yeah. up. These people would not have their yeah. their moon plots. Exactly. A, a whole economy, really. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> a whole line of country songs. I would like to know how many people own the same plot on the moon. Oh, all of them. Everybody. <laughs> Every everybody single person that is bought. one plot. <laughs> yes. Actually, everyone it's probably like owns that own zero plots. Too. Rifle also made sure to summarize what the effects of the bomb would be on both the moon and the earth. So he's not just trying to figure out how to bomb it, but he wants to know the effects because he's a scientist. The bomb would definitely vaporize part of the moon because Uh you have to make such a big explosion to be seen from earth. It's going to destroy a lot of stuff. Yeah. It would cause earthquakes, but I guess, I mean, not earthquakes, moonquakes because it's the moon. Oh, yeah. It would also... Uh, create a considerable amount of radioactive material to be just expelled right into space. A whole mushroom cloud of. A whole mushroom, because guess what? The moon doesn't have really much of an atmosphere, and so then it just goes right back into space, and then guess what's right next to the moon? The Earth. But Rifle said, Rifle actually had a young graduate student working on to see if radioactive material would make it back to Earth. That young graduate student's name was Carl Sagan. No way! Yeah, this was like one of his first things that he worked on, was trying to figure out how much radioactive material would come from bombing the moon, which come think back to Earth. he actually just assumed his job was how to study things under someone who's really smart, but you want to tell him he's being really dumb. So dumb. But I mean, also, he's what just like, this guy was just a job. <laughs> I don't know how many job like projects are right now, I mean, so this true. was one of them. That's true. Yeah. It was very, very new. Yeah. Man, that's crazy. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. I don't ever hear him talking about blowing up the moon, so no. clearly. Well, spoiler alert, yeah. guys. Carl Sagan actually determined that only a low amount of radioactive material would come back to Earth, so we were fine. So we could still blow up the moon. So even though they weren't too worried about radioactive ash being spewed into space or creating a huge man-made crater in the moon... Rifle did have concerns of the rocket introducing the moon to hazardous organic or biological biological material from Earth. Like, he didn't want, like, our bacteria or, like, our viruses or, like, any of that stuff being put on the moon's surface because he didn't know what would happen. So that was, he wasn't worried about radiation. He wasn't worried about destroying the moon. He was worried about putting bacteria from Earth on the moon surface. And so his report noted that if such biological contamination of the moon occurred, it would represent an unparalleled scientific disaster. 
eliminating several possibly very fruitful approaches to such problems as the early history of the solar system, the chemical composition of matter in the remote past, the origin of life on Earth, and the possibility of extraterrestrial life. So yeah, so he was also like, what if there's tiny little aliens on the moon and we bring our stuff to them and it kills them all? Well, I mean... We didn't when coming to this we, country. We have a long, we have a long history. We have a long history of doing it. To be fair, vaccinate your children. Yes. Okay. <laughs> you take nothing from this. <laughs> Rifle also shared his concerns of what would happen if the rocket launch failed. Now, most honestly, most launches do work, but we've had also our history, our past of rocket launches space shuttle launches that have failed and it's really sad and very disastrous when it does happen so he was worried that if it did fail there could be human casualties if the rocket didn't make it all the way into space if it blew up on earth well and on this at this point they don't even have as much experience with that so if they're already worried about it yeah and so it's like then it really wasn't gonna go well what if this huge bomb just blows up on earth what if it comes back to earth what if it explodes still in the Earth's atmosphere so it doesn't kill any people from the explosion, but then all that radioactive material is still in the atmosphere and then rains yeah. down on the whole world? Basically, at the end of the report, it was concluded that bombing the moon wasn't worth it and the project was abandoned. Thank you. As you could guess, because I would hope that we would all learn if the moon was had been bombed. So America scraps its idea to blow up the moon. The Soviet Union then rubbed salt in the wound by landing the first unmanned spacecraft on the moon, the Luna 2, thus introducing human yeah. organic yeah. material that on the moon. Soviets didn't care. So now it's already been done. So now we can just do whatever because it's already been done. <laughs> Doesn't matter. <laughs> now we're going <laughs> it's full not. Throttle. It's not our fault. We weren't first. So America is even further behind in the space race. Mm-hmm. We've lost a lot of traction. And we need to do something big to regain the lead in the space race. We've already rolled out bomb. We've are and the bomb bombing the moon's off the We're table. Keeping now. the moon. We're, the moon's here to stay. So Project Horizon was born. The proposal for Project Horizon was orchestrated by Lieutenant General Arthur G. Trudeau, which I don't know if he's related to yeah. Prime Minister Trudeau. Don't know. Spelled the same. He was the U.S. Army's chief of research and development. His proposal contained more than 400 pages explaining how America wasn't going to just put a man in space. We were going to colonize the moon. We're going to this is where the plot live started. in space. This is where the plot started. All from here. That one plot <laughs> that is owned by so many people around the world. This is where it began. I'm happy about it. So in Project Horizon's proposal... There were maps of where the new colony would be placed on the moon and how the colony would be capable of producing its own oxygen and water, while supply ships would bring the colonists the rest of their supplies to survive. They would start with just 10 to 20 colonists, and then they would just gradually expand and just grow from there, depending on how it went. There were arguments that the colony would allow for better space exploration and furthering mankind with the development of new and better technology. When you said Russia already introduced the bacteria, so it was no longer our fault. We were like, okay, we well, are we'll not just only- live there. Yeah. Great. Our bacteria is there. So we're there. So now we can go spit and poop on the moon. And <laughs> this it's, is ours. And it's not our fault. <laughs> this is ours now. Yeah. We're, we, we didn't start it, but we're finished. We it. live here now. <laughs> <laughs> we live here. This is our home. <laughs> Excuse you. This is mine. This is mine. <laughs> 
Did you see my house? <laughs> right there. See that space house? Yeah. So the, but obviously an army guy introduced it. So the main reason for the colony on the moon would be to claim ownership of the moon and to use it for a whole variety of military purposes. Literally, this is mine. This is mine. And we're going to put guns on it. The colony would actually be a military base with scientific capabilities. Yeah, I wasn't joking when we say we're going to put guns on the moon. (laughs) Nope. Sure, Sure wasn't. Some capabilities of having a military base on the moon would be to use antenna dishes on the moon to bounce radio communications from one point of the Earth to another point point on the other, to put a bunch of cameras and telescopes on the moon, and then we would zoom in on the Soviet Union and spy on them. And, of course, to also house nuclear weapons on the moon. Seems safe. Seems safe. And we would, of course, aim those right at the Soviet Union. And one of their thinking was, well, what if the Soviet Union bombs America first? Obviously, it bombs all of our nuclear arsenals in America, so all those explode too. Now, we don't have any nuclear arsenals in America. Well, we'll use our nuclear arsenal on the moon. On the moon. To shoot at the Soviet Union. Obviously. It's fine. It's fine. (laughs) This is fine. We've got it figured out. We really nailed this one. Yeah. The Pentagon was into this idea. They liked it. (laughs) They've already... Yeah. They've already designed a Pentagon shape that will just be right on that dark side of the moon. That that prime real estate. Exactly. So they gave the project over to Von Braun, that rocket scientist or rocket physicist scientist from Germany. And then he was like, okay, whatever. So he wasn't into it. So he gave that project, then he gave the project over to his German colleague, Heinz Hermann Kohl. Kohl uh, then assigned different pieces of the project to different military departments for them to study. And then they were supposed to return their findings to him. So, like, the Army Ballistic Missile Agency would would determine the types of rockets and space vehicles to be used. The Signals Corps would study the radio and communications needs of the military base. And the Corps of Engineers would figure out all of the construction of the military base so they could build their moon colony. And I just want to point out, we still haven't gotten an unmanned anything on the moon, Mm -mm. let alone any manned anything. just, just, Just one person on the moon. There's, there's been nothing from us, but we have a full design for... If you didn't know, America's motto is, go big or go home. Go big, <laughs> go and, home. Go big and go to the moon. <laughs> go home to the moon. Go home to your moon. Oh, that's what it means, the, I see. Yeah, you didn't know where that saying came from, but now you know. <laughs> now you know. <laughs> so then they all do their little studies. They bring it back to Cole, who then put all the findings into a report titled Project Horizon a U.S. Army study for the establishment of a lunar military post. And he submitted that to the Pentagon in June 1959. The report starts off by emphasizing why it was so important to beat the Soviets in building a military outpost on the moon. So This is, this gonna, is mine. <laughs> this is mine. So this is going to be a long quote, but this is what the report says. So it says, The political implications of our failure to be first in space are a matter of public record. This failure has reflected adversely on United States scientific and political leadership. To some extent, we have recovered the loss. However, once having been second best in the eyes of the world's population, we are not now in a position to afford being second on any other major step in space. Results of failure to first place man on an extraterrestrial base will raise grave political questions and at the same time lower U.S. prestige and influence. The Soviet Union has announced openly its intention that some of its citizens will celebrate the 50th anniversary of the October Revolution, 
that was going to take place in 1967, on the moon. The U.S. intelligence community agrees that the Soviet Union may accomplish a manned lunar landing at any time after 1965. Political, scientific, and security considerations indicate that it is imperative for the United States to establish a lunar outpost at the earliest practicable date. From the viewpoint of national security, the primary implications of the feasibility of establishing a lunar outpost is the importance of being first. <laughs> so like I've been saying before, America's like, we've been second. America needs to be first. <laughs> if you ain't first, you're last. If you ain't first, you're last. <laughs> so Ricky Bobby. Yeah, Todd and, and nice. Despicable Me has all been based on yes. just this. Just this. In short, that quote was saying, America's second. They need to be first. We need to be first in living on the moon with nukes. It was just followed by a stick drawing of a guy with a sign that said, this is mine this is on the moon. moon. Yep. And that, was, and that was the report. That was, yeah. yeah. Mike, Mike Pence's uh, political cartoons. And Mike Pence drew the drawing. <laughs> Illustrated full, by. This podcast is all full circle. You're welcome. <laughs> The project would be modular, starting out small and then expanding out over time. Large liquid hydrogen-fueled rockets would deliver supplies and materials to the moon. After enough supplies had been delivered, two astronauts would land on the moon and begin construction. So then, after those two guys get started, later man launches would then bring about 14 more astronauts over time to the colony. Mm-hmm. So I think they're just planning just a couple guys at a time, just to add to the workforce. Because they have to have places to stay while they're there. So mm-hmm. only, they only have places for a so couple guys at a time. So only two of them can go build their tent. own little tent. Yeah. Build another tent. For the next guys. For the next guys. Yeah. And so then just build over time. The astronauts would use explosives and a bulldozer slash backhoe combo that was designed for space. Yeah. So they've like, so they, I mean, they really went into it. They, yeah. They like, were like, okay, we're going to make this bulldozer backhoe that can like... Do stuff on the moon. They can dig trenches. And then also the rockets would bring these pre-built, like, living and, like, other modules. And then they would place them in the trenches. Okay. Power the military base. They would use nuclear reactors and solar power. Also super safe. Yes. You always want your nuclear reactors to be in a place that constantly gets hit by meteorites. I that's what I thought. That's I thought that was like one oh one. That's the other saying that mm. you might not have known. That's what where it was. the saying comes from. I, I mean, I use it daily. <laughs> so after it was all done, there would be several scientific laboratories, a recreation room, a hospital unit, housing quarters, and then eventually a place for growing food, like, like a little greenhouse. Hmm. Right next to the nuclear reactor? Yes. Cool. Water, oxygen, and hydrogen would be provided by the ice that was already on the moon. So astronauts would, like, go mine moon ice, and then they would use that for water, oxygen, and hydrogen. So that would use help them to live, but then it also, if they needed to create rocket fuel, they could also use that to create rocket fuel to get fuel their rockets if they needed to go back to Earth for some reason. Ah, uh, yes. Rocket fuel tap water. Yes. Yeah, I don't know the science behind that statement. Yeah. <laughs> Did they send those scientists to Flint, Michigan? Oh, and- right, yeah. It's full of lead. It's good for your rocket fuel. <laughs> this is healthy. <laughs> the plan was to have the outpost fully inhabitable by 1966. 
and it would require only about 150 rocket launches to get everything there. And this, because this was in 59, right? Yes, that they're making the report. report. So they're like, oh yeah, in seven years? No, thank you. Yeah, we'll have it fully inhabitable. We just haven't put anything else on the moon. We literally have not put anything else on the moon. But it's because we're focusing on this. But we can do this in seven years. Easy. Yeah. Easy. So then even after there's supplies there to build it all, the colony would still need about 64 rockets a year to keep them fully supplied so that they could survive. And then the rockets would also, like, rotate rotate astronauts in and out so that oh, like, people could go back to Earth. So, like, those first guys that got signed on for by far the worst could yeah. at least come, come yes. back. Yes, so they can while. go back home, at least. So then, yeah, and then the outpost would then expand over years, and then mm-hmm. eventually it'd be America owns the whole moon. So, of course, it's a military outpost. The Soviets might attack, so there was also precautions in mm. case the Soviets attacked. The base would be surrounded by claymore mines Oh, um, that were modified to poke holes in spacesuits, in the pressurized spacesuits. Oh, yeah. Also, the, the astronauts living on the moon, they were armed with these uh, small sub-kiloton nuclear weapons that had just like a small kill zone of 300 to 500 meters. So those were planned that you would, I think they call them Davy Crockett guns, but literally they're just small nuclear weapons that you'd shoot at vehicles and they would just like blow up space vehicles. And again, seems safe. I really like this because I'm imagining like 19, like super early astronauts in their big bulky suits and then they're riding these like space cars to like come fight these other people. And then it's just like so. And one of them has a Davy Crockett hat. And somebody (laughs) has these like, yeah, and then somebody has this like small nuclear weapon gun and they're shooting it. It's so sci fi. Yeah. See, I'm, I've been seeing it in my head as men in black. Oh, yeah. And they go back to the 50s and they've got all the little. Yeah. Some of them are still really big, but they've got, like, the cricket. Yes. But I'm like, I, I'm trying to even think about that happening now. And Is I'm it like, like this, a space suit made this into This was a not reasonable. Suit? Well, yeah. No, we still would not be, I mean. Yeah. And so, so they had those, like, small nuclear weapons to shoot at the vehicles. And then they also had space guns that oh. were designed where basically were a shotgun that could be fired in space. And that you could also shoot in your big, bulky spacesuit. That is Terrifying. Yeah, space shotgun, space yes. gun, space guns, and so like the little ones, you said was like three hundred to five hundred yards. So no, so that one I don't know what the like the shooting distance is. Oh, okay, but because it's nuclear weapon, yeah, so you're shooting a small bomb. Yeah, and so the bombs, I think I want to say diameter uh, is three hundred to five hundred meter kill zone. Okay, so you have to make sure if you are going to shoot this that it's far away, far away yeah. from. The space ice. The good thing about the moon is that there's there's not mountains, there's not trees. Like, you can see people coming from a long ways away. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I don't know. Not their idea, not mine. I will know. I I know. You're the smart one. I have to ask you the question. Then they they also built bomb shelters in case the Soviets decided to nuke the bomb, or nuke the moon. Oh, maybe they had the same, you Mm -hmm. know, maybe on that one they're a couple years behind. Yeah. So then the last weapon that I'd like to bring up that they had designed for the moon was a death ray. Austin Powers had Austin it Powers. right the whole time. Yes. Um, yeah, I'm thinking, yeah, kind of like Star Wars, Austin Powers. Yeah, we were going to build a death ray on the moon that would mm. focus a bunch of sun rays and ionizing radiation and then shoot it towards enemy targets. Like on Earth. 
I don't know if it would reach to Earth. I think it was just a big old death ray that you could shoot at people coming towards you. Seems safe. Yeah. No, it seems like a really good idea. And because, like, no one is going to lose their mind being alone on the moon. And just start shooting things yeah, with the death ray? Yeah, absolutely not. I don't think so. And by lose their mind, I mean also get bored. Yeah. Yeah. Let's no, see what this does. <laughs> this is fine. Let's just shoot stuff. It's just see if I, it works. I feel like they'd probably, it's almost be like a video game when you're bored because you live on the moon. Yeah. And so there's like little meteorites coming and just shooting meteorites and exploding them the, with the death ray. The meteorites before yes. it hits? Yes. Yeah, that's actually that's probably exactly what would have happened. 100% would have happened. Oh, yeah. I would have done that if yeah. I lived on the moon. Let's just see if it works. And then be like, oh my god, that was such a big one. You did such a good job. Yes. And then they just have like a little uh, like marker, dryer rings for it, tallying at people's <laughs> points. Tallying. Mike has four, got four meteors with the death ray today. Yes. Yeah. That absolutely would happen. 100%. At the end of the report, they, like, tally up how much it would cost. The total cost of the initial outpost would be about $700 million per year, which is about $6 billion in today's money. That's fine. So just, and that's just to set it up. That's yeah. Not to, that's just, like, maintaining. That's, that, no, that's not maintenance. Uh-oh. That's literally to, like, get that first base there. That's not all the rockets. Like, what did I say? Like, 64 rockets 64 a year? 64 rockets a that's year. That's not including that price. Oh. That's, like, for the first 150 rockets. I mean, in this real estate market right now. Yeah. But yeah. but there, the report argued also that America was already spending almost that much money on its nuclear missiles program. Mm. So now we would have it in space. Yes. The report stated that, quote, These figures are a valid appraisal, and while preliminary... They represent the best estimates of experienced non-commercial agencies of government. Substantial funding is undeniably required for the establishment of a U.S. lunar outpost. However, the implications of the future importance of such an operation should be compared to the fact that the average annual funding required for Project Horizon would be less than 2% of the current annual defense budget. So, and then they went on to say that we can afford it. We know how to build it. Let's do it. Let's do yeah, it. Yeah, they said, yes. Build it. Absolutely. Let's go put nukes on the moon. Sign me up for yes. a lot next to the lake. Yeah. So they present it to the Pentagon. Pentagon's awesome. Let's do this. And then basically they present it to President Eisenhower. And he's like, no, this is <laughs> stupid. I'm not spending $700 million when we haven't even put a person on the moon. This is a waste of taxpayers' money. No. And so Project Horizon died. And we never put nukes on the moon. And it was no longer mine. Yeah. In 1961, two years later, Soviet cosmonaut Yuri Gagarin became the first person to orbit Earth. A month later after that, President John F. Kennedy publicly stated that the U.S. would put a man on the moon before the end of the decade. Mm. So then in 1967... The U.S. and the Soviet... Well, and by this point, we could have had the whole colony. Well, just about, yeah. yeah. It'd already be being built, even yeah. though literally nobody has put a man on the moon yet. Yeah. We thought that we would already be building this thing. Mm, In 1967, the U.S. and the Soviet Union entered the Outer Space Treaty, which prohibits weapons of mass destruction to be placed into orbit on the moon or any other physical body in space. Not now... Not yeah. ever can we put nukes on the moon anymore. So it's even though we could do it now, it's not worth it to just your vacation build that home. base. 
not on your vacation nukes. Yeah. Well, yeah, you can get a vacation home on the moon. You just mm-hmm. have to leave, leave your nukes at home. Ugh. Packed them in my other bag. Yeah. I think you can bring your space cut, your space guns, because ah. it only prohibits weapons of mass destruction. Oh. So bring your space shotgun. Yeah. Well, because you've got to really maybe, practice on those maybe meteors. Maybe even your mini nuclear weapon. Mm, like the, the cricket. Little, the, yeah. Yeah. But leave your big nukes at home. I mean, that is a cool, good rule of thumb. I mean, I feel really impeding on my Second Amendment rights, but... But here we are. <laughs> but here we are. Uh, and then on July 16th, 1969, Apollo 11 launched with U.S. astronauts Neil Armstrong, Edwin Buzz Aldrin, and Michael Collins. They landed on the moon on July 20th, and Neil Armstrong became the first man to walk on the moon. Ten years after they proposed Project Horizon, we finally got the first man on the moon. You guys, America did it. We won. We were first. America's number one. Theorists, hear me out here. What if, what if we could have gotten a soundstage earlier than 1967 and we could have built the colony on the soundstage and we could have had the moon colony way earlier? Absolutely. But also, um, people that don't think we landed on the moon, we landed on the moon. (laughs) The more you know. Hashtag, there will be another episode (laughs) about that. That's a really long hashtag. But we definitely landed on the moon. And we'll go into it. Neil Armstrong marked the great moment by saying, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. I think right after that he said mine I, I think my favorite story because like you know the whole i think it was like what 50th anniversary mm-hmm. about the moon landing that came up and i think my favorite fact i learned about that this summer was that they left so much poop on the moon when no they way. left yeah because they just like literally would just poop in bags and they tie them off and they just throw them out in the moon it's like a dog park and apparently that's what everybody that's been to the moon has done and so there's just literally poop like- bags all over the moon so wow. much poop on the moon. So much poop. So much poop. Poor moon. Yeah. Wow. We really, really were no longer concerned about leaving our don't care anymore bacteria. See, on the, the, the moon. Soviets That's... did it first. Not our fault. Not our fault. Not our fault. Now we have space force. Do you think they're coming up with us? They're like reliving the whole idea of the colony again. I mean, maybe. I don't know if Trump would want to do it if we can't have nukes. That's one thousand percent true. Yeah. I mean, if someone came into his office with that Project Horizon, he would have been oh, like, sign off on it immediately. I will pay for it. Loves it. Loved it. Would love it. Somebody put Project Horizon on Trump's Like, desk. don't even rewrite it. Yeah. Just pull it back out. Just, yeah, the same one. I mean, can you get impeached for not following those kinds of treaties? I don't know. Hmm. Who knows? But Who knows? he wouldn't be, like, fighting against Russia. He'd be like, yeah. I don't think you can get impeached for not following a treaty. Yeah, because then executive power and yeah, order and all exactly. those things. So, fine. We can do it. Do it. This is insane. You guys, let's go live on the moon. See you on the moon. <laughs> so, that's our story for this week. Um, A lot shorter than last week, but I love it's it. kind of to the point. I loved it. My resources for this story were... This is the story of how America once thought about nuking the moon by Robin Andrews. I do love all of the titles to these articles. The titles are my favorite. I was thinking about that last week. Like, after I got home, I was thinking about the titles from your research. And it just, they make me really happy. And I love when they're just, like, gnarly to the point. I feel like back in the day, articles weren't so to the point. And now 
article titles are like super long, but you really know what you're reading. Absolutely. Yeah. So then the Unclassified Project Horizon Report by the United States Army, HistoryChannel.com article, The Space Race, NASA's website article, Brief History of Rockets, Hidden History, Project Horizon, the American Military Base on the Moon by Lenny Flank. That time, the U.S. was going to build a massive death ray equipped military moon base. Wait, when any <laughs> By article... By David Hiskey. <laughs> when any article starts with that time... That time? You know that it's going to be good. <laughs> and U.S. reveals secret plans for 60s moon base by Ben Brumfield. <laughs> I mean, I do get it sometimes, though. Sometimes when I'm dealing with people all day, just send me to the moon. Well, with and the poop bag. I, I also... Because, I mean... People thought that even just putting a man on the moon was nuts. And so I do seriously think that people back in the 50s were like, we have to go big or go home. Like, send me your craziest ideas and let's make it happen. Go big or go to the moon. Yeah. Go big or go to the moon. AKA home. Yeah. Trademark. That's my, yeah. I got it. (laughs) Trademark. It's mine. Watch out for the (laughs) t-shirt. It's coming. It's coming. Um, so yeah, that's our episode. Uh, if you would like to support this podcast, please go to patreon.com and search for America the Bazaar. Yes. Lots of fun stuff if you sign up for it. Go like our Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe so that you never miss an episode when it comes out. And be waiting. Yes. Um, oh. Do you want to... Allie actually started a podcast Instagram. Do you want to kind of tell people about that? Yeah, I just listen to podcasts like 89% of my life and my day I like probably eight hours a day I'm listening to podcasts so I'm always looking for a new podcast and then we were recording last week and I was like you know what I'm gonna do it because Jordan told me it would be cool (laughs) and she would follow it so I did it's called what about pod yes that's based on what about Bob which is one of my favorite movies and I just generally post things that I'm listening to now and I'll do kind of reviews and suggestions for podcasts. I will disclaimer, um, I listen to an insane amount of true crime podcasts. I don't think it's ever too early in the morning for murder. So listening about murder is probably a better way to phrase (laughs) that. Uh, So if you're interested in listening or looking for new podcasts and seeing pictures of the cute dogs that are in my life while I'm listening to podcasts, then follow them on Instagram about what about pod has underscores, but it's easy to find. Yep. And yeah. So if you have any cute pictures of the dogs in your life while you're listening yeah. to podcasts, you guys can tag us in your pictures. Please tag us. America of the Bazaar. My sister, Blake Simonson, she is a co-host on a podcast called Montana Murder Mysteries. So good. That's all about unsolved, uh, what did she say? All about unsolved murder mysteries under the big sky. Under the big or sky. like that. So definitely give that a listen. They're pretty new too. I think they have Four or five episodes out right now. Yeah, and it's really great because those probably are probably more because this will come out later. They're but. quick. Um, they're quick podcasts. They're shorter. Yes. So if you have just a quick commute that you like to have, not have to leave. I do that sometimes. I take a longer route. But yeah. if you have a shorter commute um, that you want a whole podcast in, absolutely give yes. it a like. Start it at the beginning. Right when you get to work, you'll turn it off, and it'll be perfect timing. Yes. Definitely listen to that. So, you have anything else? 
Anything off? That's it. All right. Well, until next time, stay weird, America. I missed it. <laughs> Dang it. So I hope you guys all enjoyed that throwback episode. We're back for presidential trivia. Though the question was, which president was the first to use a telephone? It was Rutherford B. Hayes. And his telephone number was one. Nice. Yeah. Nice. The the best, yeah, what makes sense for the president to have, right? right. (laughs) We will be back next week with another re-release episode. And we'll see you again in 2021.